and welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Good, a registered nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine practitioner. Join me as we explore thyroid, brain and fatigue conditions with positivity. From Hashimoto's to multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue to adrenal dysfunction, I've got you covered. With expert advice and tips to help you take action now and inspiring real patient stories from successful individuals who refuse to let their health hold them back. Start your journey to good health today. And don't forget to come and join the conversation on Instagram at good underscore health, that's G-O-O-D-E. Or visit my website at nicolegoodhealth.com to find out more. Welcome to today's episode of the Good Health Podcast on how to be successful while avoiding burnout. So burnout is something that I see time and time again in clinic, so much so that we have a program dedicated to supporting people who want to optimize their health for performance and success. And it's not really surprising that adrenal issues are so common because when you look at the figures, you know, there was a survey done in January of this year and 1,000 Deloitte's employees were questioned for part of this survey. 77% of those were found to be suffering with burnout and 91% of them felt that they were under unimaginable stress. The same survey found that 70% of all professionals in the UK were suffering with burnout. These figures are huge and it's, I mean, it's completely out of control. They are also one of the big reasons why we are seeing more and more cases of chronic illness. You know, stress is a major trigger of chronic illnesses, autoimmune diseases, cardiovascular problems. So much of these things can be put down to a trigger of stress. And it's not solely stress, but but stress can be one of the triggers, one of the things that sort of sets these things off. And in our fast paced and demanding world, it really is essential that we strike a balance between productivity and self-care. And this doesn't mean that you can't achieve all the things that you want to. Um, You know, you can't, it doesn't mean you can't progress in your career in the way that you want to. It just means that we have got to accept that we have to support ourselves And we have to support our body and we have to support our mind in order to do so without burning out. And it's the reason why I started the Optimal Health Services in clinic, because I see, you know, high flyers, entrepreneurs, people in the the world of entertainment or sports, and they need to be on their game all the time. They have to be to do what they do and they love what they do, but they're all really slowly burning out or in some cases not so slowly burning out. But one of the biggest issues I see here is that these individuals who, from the outside, you know, look hugely successful, they don't want to admit that they're not keeping up. They don't want to admit that they need support. And they don't want to accept that what they are doing and the way they are choosing to live their life is having an impact on their health. But this is actually the wrong way to look at it, because by accepting it, you can then work on it. And by working on it, you can actually avoid burnout or worse, making yourself really ill. So today we're going to discuss the signs and symptoms of burnout. We're going to understand adrenal dysfunctions role in this process. And we're going to look at five key components of a supportive diet for burnout. And I also want to provide you with 10 step lifestyle plan to beat burnout and achieve optimal well-being. So let's jump straight in. So burnout is a state of It's physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion, and it's caused by chronic stress, and it can impact anyone. So we've touched on those high flyers, 
people who have got to be on their game all the time. And it is still the case that these people are burning out and are at very high risk of adrenal dysfunction. But in this day and age, everyone is at risk of burning out. And the reason for this is our fast-paced lifestyles. You know, we have a lot more chronic low-lying stressors than ever before. And burnout is actually impacting anyone these days. And adrenal dysfunction, particularly, you know, dysregulation of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the HPA axis, plays a very significant role in burnout. So first of all, let's tackle the issue of why doctors say adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. Because this is the question I get asked a lot, you know, is it a real thing? Does it actually happen to people? So adrenal fatigue is a colloquial term. It's one that is used by the general population, by the media, you know, particularly on social media. It isn't a medical term. So in that sense, adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. If you ask a doctor, a medical professional, it's not a thing. And adrenal fatigue really is used to refer to burnout, chronic stress, lots of different things. And the reason it's used is because burnout involves the adrenals. And we're going we're gonna to jump into this. But burnout isn't a medical term either. And to make matters worse, adrenal fatigue isn't actually correct. The adrenals are not exactly getting fatigued. That's not, what, that's not what's going on. And we're going to jump into this and have a look at actually what is going on. It's all to do with this HPA axis. And that's why in functional medicine, we call it HPA axis dysfunction or adrenal dysfunction. So let's look at the four stages of adrenal dysfunction. It's tested primarily through um, a saliva test to look at your cortisol curve and stressors put pressure on the adrenals to release more of the stress hormones. So adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, DHEA. And in a normal stress response, production of hormones increases to support the body and then they return to normal. And in the early stage of HPA dysfunction, the hormones increase, but don't return back to normal. And the person is living in this constant state of fight or flight. And then we get stage two and we start to see hormone levels dropping. And in later stages of HPA axis dysfunction, we see cortisol following. And we get the cortisol and the DHEA dropping below normal levels. And this is because ultimately the brain will protect your body. And enduring prolonged levels of increased cortisol can be damaging to the body. So let's dig into this a little deeper. Let's look at these stages of adrenal dysfunction. So the first stage generally... There's different ways of classifying this and different people will do it slightly slightly differently, but the overall picture is very much the same depending on how many, you know, some people say it's four stages, some people say it's three, but the overall thinking is the same. So stage one, some people would have this as stage zero, but we're going to call it stage one today, is the stress response. So this is the normal stress response. This is the one that you need. It's a natural, appropriate response to a stressor. It's what we may know as our fight or flight response. And your brain actions your adrenals to release stress hormones, high levels of DHEA to get your body ready for the stressor. And then when the stressor is gone, those hormone levels, they return back down to normal. And we all experience times like this. And whether it's against a real danger or a perceived danger, it is a life-saving automatic bodily reaction. So it doesn't do us any harm. In fact, at those times, it makes us more alert, more focused, able to make you know rapid life-saving decisions. It gives us energy. It allows us to spring into action. But sometimes, instead of the hormones going back to normal, 
we move into stage two. And this happens if the stressor doesn't go away, so it becomes chronic, or if lots of small chronic stressors start piling up. You know, we get a little bit of stress from work, a little bit of stress from home, a little bit of stress from, you know, financial struggles, whatever it might be, all these things starting to pile up. Maybe we've got health worries, maybe a family member's not well. And we get these things piling up and growing. So where this starts to creep in, you may not actually notice any symptoms. In fact, at this stage, you may actually feel better. So you might be able to work longer hours. You may feel wired so you can keep going. But you may, if you really think about it, and the people generally don't, but if you did really think about it, you may notice that actually, you know, maybe you're not getting quite as much sleep or maybe you feel a little bit on edge, but you'd have to really think about it to notice these things. And then what we get then is people moving into stage two. So stage two is the alarm mode. So this stage is where the stress has become chronic or lots of low-lying stresses are bubbling away. It, it may even be from things that you know we enjoy. So it's not necessarily things that we don't like. It could be work and you may love your job, but it may also be stressful. That's just a fact of life. Just because you love it doesn't mean that the stress doesn't matter, right? Or maybe there are family stresses, things that are out of your control that we have to accept as a part of life. And we have to be able to tolerate a certain amount of stress. Of course, it could be that you've got a more noticeable or traumatic stressful event, but it's not necessarily that. And that's the point. So now in stage two, you're definitely going to be feeling tired, but wired. So you may feel a little bit worn out at times, but you may also have times of feeling that buzz. You can't shut the brain off. You may even feel a little bit anxious at times. You may start to feel tired all the time, but usually it's kind of a switch between feeling tired and feeling like wired. Maybe you, you know, you'll keep pushing through. You're not going to stop. You're going to keep pushing through this stage. Maybe you're getting ill a lot. You might be picking up lots of colds. Often we see people with children who are blaming the kids for this. You know, oh, they're bringing everything home from school. It's just normal. It's not normal. Your immune system should be able to handle that. Maybe you need a cup of coffee in the morning to get going. Or you need that sugary snack at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon to help you power through the, you know, power through the rest of the day. Likely, though, you are putting it down at this point. You're still putting it down to normal things. It's just a bit of stress. You're just a bit tired. You're getting a bit older. It's just because I've got kids. You know, we all make excuses. What is actually happening is that your cortisol levels are now flying high. And the longer it goes on, the more your cortisol elevates in the body. And the body then needs more to deal with the stress because we become more tolerant. So we've become more tolerant to this higher level of cortisol in the body. So we need more and we need more. At the same time, we may start to see the DHEA dropping. The focus here is on fight or flight mode. That's what your body is focusing on. And therefore it's focusing on more and more cortisol. So this burnout has now started to kind of truly kick in. But more often than not, people are doing nothing about it at this stage. They just keep pushing through. They're not recognizing this as being burnout. They're not recognizing it as being stress. It's just, they're just accepting it as normal, normal stresses everybody has to put up with. So what happens? They move to stage three. And stage three is the resistance stage. And this is where the more persistent fatigue kits in. So other symptoms can flare up. And the adrenal dysfunction during this stage is really going to start to have 
some form of an impact on your life. So you may still be able to do what you have to do, but you might not be enjoying life quite the same. Maybe you can't perform like you used to at work. Your productivity drops. Your presence with your family drops. Your, you know, your life is being impacted. Maybe you get home from work and you haven't quite got the energy to play with the children as much as you used to. Little things, but it's starting to impact your life. What's actually happening is that your body is now saying, this chronic stress is the norm for me. And it starts to impact other parts of the body. So as far as your body is concerned, you're in constant danger. It doesn't know that you're just you know, stressed at work and so you're eating a bad diet. As far as it can tell, you're coming face to face with immediate danger. So you're being hunted by a lion while out foraging for food constantly. This stress response is ancient and it can't tell the difference between true stressors and modern day stressors. So your body tries to protect you. So the decision becomes this. Which organs and functions does your body need to survive? So things like digestion, immune function, reproduction, they're all deemed a little bit irrelevant in face of that lion, okay? After all, if a lion is about to eat you, does it really matter if you catch a cold? Or with reproduction, there's not much point worrying about having a baby if you're about to die from being eaten by the lion, at least as far as your adrenals are concerned. So a compound that can be used to make sex hormones and cortisol gets used to make more and more cortisol, and therefore it makes less and less of the sex hormones. This is called the pregnenolone steel. On tests, what we see is high cortisol, or we may start to see that cortisol dropping, and low DHEA. And probably we would see low levels of other hormones like estrogen and testosterone. So as well as the symptoms of adrenal dysfunction in this stage, we're starting to see other symptoms. We might see mood changes. We might see hormonal imbalances, blood sugar imbalance, metabolic markers might be changing. We can even see some conditions starting to develop. And we could be triggering things like autoimmunity at this point without knowing it. You've got to have the right genetics for that. You've got to have the predisposition. But if you have, you could actually be triggering that autoimmunity. But amazingly, people will keep pushing through, not getting help because you can't take the time off work, right? Well, I hate to break it to you, but your body will force you very shortly to take time off if you don't get help. Or you've got to keep going for the children, for the family, for your friends, not for much longer if you don't look after your body. Because what's happening now is you're approaching that final stage. You're approaching stage four. And stage four is total burnout, adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction, whatever it is you want to call it. And what happens now is that our brain kicks in. So our brain kicks in to take over from the adrenals because our brain is very clever and it will do anything it can to protect us, to keep us alive. And the fact is you can't keep producing cortisol at those high levels. It will eventually become toxic to the body. So the brain says no, it says no more. It signals for the adrenals to stop producing more cortisol. So this is the brain doing this, not the adrenals. And this is where adrenal fatigue is a little bit of a strange and kind of misunderstood term. So now your cortisol curve is gonna go from being cortisol too high to crashing. We often see low cortisol across the entire curve. And it may slowly start to come down for some people. It may be that we start to see some of the markers coming down over the course of the day. For others, it may crash and we see every kind of marker lower. And other things are also going to be low. So your DHEA is going to be low. Your sex hormones are going to be low. Your neurotransmitters and more. And you're going to now really start to struggle. So whether you want to continue on or not, 
you're going to struggle to do so. You're much more likely to develop a chronic illness or an autoimmune disease if you've got the right genetic predisposition. You might get digestive dysfunction. You might even get infertility or even cardiovascular disease. Your symptoms are going to get worse. All in all, you really want to avoid getting to this stage, but you won't if you don't support your body while you're in those other stages. You've now reached a stage where you could remove all the stresses from your life. You could quit your job. You could remove any toxic relationships. You could really remove every stress and you would still need support to get better. So why work on burnout? The fact is burnout will get us all in the end if it's left, if it's not dealt with. We all have a limit. It's also highly likely that if left, burnout can act as a trigger for chronic illnesses. And once you get one of those and you really are ill, you can't just push through. You're going to be forced to take time off. And this is why it's so important not to ignore those early symptoms. Now, of course, there are factors that impact adrenal dysfunction. So things like genetics, poor diet, stimulants such as caffeine and alcohol, stressful events and that ongoing low-grade chronic stressors, food allergies and intolerances, infections, poor health, toxins, but anyone is susceptible to adrenal dysfunction. So let's look at the signs and symptoms that you should be looking out for. Because recognizing the sign and symptoms of burnout is crucial because what it allows you to do is address it before it takes a toll on your overall well-being. Common signs of burnout include persistent fatigue, decreased motivation, feelings of cynicism or detachment, difficulty concentrating, sleep disturbances, and reduced productivity. We might see brain fog, we might see lack of concentration, low blood pressure, low blood sugar, joint aches and pains, muscle weakness, anxiety, depression, decreased tolerance to cold, low immunity, poor sleep or waking in the night or maybe requiring more sleep, gut disturbances, salt cravings, hair loss, allergies, poor circulation, poor exercise tolerance, so many signs and symptoms, and a lot of them we accept. So many people come to me and they're like, well, you know, I, I actually, I do have this, you know, bit of a gut symptom, but, you know, it's just, it's normal for me. You know, maybe I, I bloat a lot, but I do that all the time. That's just normal. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say that a symptom is just normal for me. It's not normal. So let's take a look at some of the things that you can do. So as promised, I said, we're going to look at five key dietary things that you could put in place to support your journey to overcoming burnout. So number one, balanced nutrient-dense meals. So focus on consuming balanced meals that include a variety of whole foods. Variety and diversity are key. So you want to include high-quality proteins such as lean meats, poultry, fish, legumes. If you can, buy organic Incorporate a variety of colorful fruit and veg to ensure that you're getting lots of vitamins and minerals in the diet. And the different colors of foods means you're getting different nutrients. So you wanna make sure you're eating all the colors every single day. You want to include healthy fats. So foods like avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oils. And you want to avoid those highly processed foods, excessive sugar, any artificial additives. Number two, Adequate hydration. Drink plenty of water throughout the day to maintain proper hydration. I can't tell you how many people get too busy and forget to drink. Dehydration can actually exacerbate feelings of fatigue. It can reduce cognitive function. 
So if you aim to drink at least eight glasses of water a day, two to three liters a day, you know, you can adjust the intake based on your individual needs. If you've got high activity levels, if you're in a hot climate, you might, you're going to need more. So you, you can, you can adjust this to suit, but make sure you're keeping yourself hydrated. Number three, mindful eating and balanced snacks. So practice mindful eating, pay attention to your body. Are you hungry? Are you full? Listen to the cues from your body. Avoid skipping meals. You want regular balanced snacks. If you're hungry or if you're lacking in energy, get some snacks in between your meals. That's fine. Just make sure they're nice, healthy ones. Opt for snacks that combine protein, healthy fats, fiber. So things like Greek yogurt with berries, nuts and seeds, hummus with raw veggies. These are the things you want to be looking at. And give yourself time to eat. So when you're having lunch, give yourself at least half of your lunch, at least half of your hour's lunch break. Give yourself 30 minutes, sat down, eating your food, concentrating on having your lunch and don't be doing other things whilst you're doing it. Number four, focus on nutrient-rich foods. So we want to include foods that are rich in nutrients that are going to support stress management and energy production. So things like B vitamins. We want to consume foods like whole grains, leafy green veg, legumes, nuts. They're all rich in B vitamins. They play a crucial role in energy production. Magnesium is great. Do we want to incorporate those foods? Things like leafy green veg, nuts, seeds, whole grains, legumes. You can see the crossover here. So it's not hard to get all these things in. Magnesium is really good for helping to regulate stress responses and it helps to support relaxation. Then we want to get those omega-3 fatty acids in there. So the fatty fish. So you can think of the SMASH acronym for this. So salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring, as well as things like chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts. All these things are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And these healthy fats have lots of properties including being anti-inflammatory. They also support mood and they really support the brain. So your brain is predominantly fat. So they can be really beneficial for cognitive function, for performance. And then we want to look at antioxidant foods. So supporting immune function with foods like vitamin C and vitamin E foods. So that's number four. Number five, reduce caffeine and alcohol intake. So no one ever likes hearing this one, but it's a fact. We need to limit or reduce your consumption of caffeine and alcohol. They disrupt your sleep, they exacerbate anxiety, they contribute to fatigue. So there's lots of things that we can do here. You can try decaffeinated options. You could opt for a herbal tea. You could try natural things like hot water with lemon, herbal infusions. Importantly, with your diet, speak to a practitioner. Run some functional tests if it's needed, if you think you're struggling with burnout. Getting the functional tests done means that you can find your personal underlying imbalances in your diet, and then you can build a personalized plan for support. So that's a quick look at diet. Five things that you can do today, implement into your diet to help support you with stress management, with energy, with burnout. But what about the lifestyle factors? Because functional medicine is about incorporating a holistic approach. So let's dive into a 10-step plan that you can use to avoid burnout. So step one, recognize and acknowledge burnout. So take a really honest look at your current state of well-being. Acknowledge any of those signs and symptoms of burnout. Don't just accept it as normal. Awareness is the first step to making change. And making change doesn't mean not being able to do what you want to do. It actually means you'll get to do what you love for longer. 
Step two, prioritize self-care. Make self-care a non-negotiable. Make it part of your routine. Put it in the diary. Engage in activities that help to rejuvenate you. Things like exercise, hobbies, meditation, spending quality time with loved ones. Make sure they are a part of your routine. Step three, set boundaries. This one's really important. Establish clear boundaries between work and personal life. Learn to say no when necessary. It's okay to say no. Where possible, delegate tasks. Don't be scared to ask for help. And remember, it's okay to prioritize your well-being. Step four, practice stress management techniques. So explore stress management techniques. Find things that work for you. There's lots of different ones here. You can do deep breathing exercises. You can do mindfulness. You could do yoga, journaling. You could listen to an app. Find something that works for you. It's different for everybody, but incorporate it into your daily routine. And don't just do it when you feel bad. We want to do this all the time so it becomes natural and we can use it when we don't feel good. Step five, seek support. So reach out to family and friends or trusted colleagues. Share your feelings and experiences and don't hesitate to ask for professional help. As functional medicine practitioners, we can help. We implement these full holistic plans. And I do this in clinic regularly with my program called The Secret. And it's really important to have somebody to help support you on this journey. And when you do speak to people, you'll find that actually more people than you think are having these same struggles. It doesn't make you weak. It's okay to admit that actually you're struggling a bit or you need a bit of support or your health's taking a little bit of a hit. Step six, evaluate and adjust your goals. So assess your goals, assess your expectations. Are they realistic? And are they aligned with your values? So more importantly, are they aligned? Is it actually what you want? Make adjustments if you need to. Reduce any unnecessary pressures where you can. More importantly, support your health so you can actually carry on doing the things you love. We don't want you to have to give up the things that you love doing. We don't want you to have to do less. The whole point of this is preventative. It's about supporting you so you can do more for longer, be successful for longer, be more successful. So step seven, foster positive relationships. Surround yourself with really supportive people. You want to cultivate those relationships that uplift you, that inspire you, both personally and professionally. This comes into play on both sides. And more importantly, remove the relationships that don't uplift you. Step eight is to practice time management. You need to develop an effective time management skill so that you don't get overwhelmed. You need to prioritize, you need to set realistic deadlines. Make sure you allocate times for those breaks. So make sure your lunch is in the diary. Give yourself that time. Put your self-care activities into the diary. Step nine, enhance your work-life balance. So we want work-life balance. Find ways to bring joy and fulfillment into your work. Incorporate personal activities into your professional life, but also have time where you switch off. It's really important to switch off and you will be more productive at work if you have time where you've switched off. Step 10, regularly evaluate and reassess. So continuously evaluate your well-being, reassess your strategies. Burnout prevention is an ongoing process. It can happen to anybody at any point. And if you have a plan, if you've worked with, with a professional and you've got a plan in place, there may be times where you need adjustments to it. Your circumstances might change. You might be going through a bit more of a stressful time. So it's really important to keep on top of these things. And this really comes back to that first step of recognizing and acknowledging burnout. And there you have it. You've got burnout, what it is. You've got five key dietary interventions that you could put in place today. You've got a 10-step plan to help you prevent burnout and help you achieve optimal health. 
And if you really want to dig into your adrenals and you want to optimize your health for performance and for success, you can reach out at the link in the show notes below this episode to find out more about The Secret, which is my solution to optimizing your health. I hope you found today's episode really helpful. This is a topic that we're going to be covering more in future episodes. And I look forward to seeing you on next week's episode of the Good Health Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Good Health Podcast. Do share the episode with anyone who you think it may benefit or who may enjoy it. And help me spread the word by rating the episode or leaving a review. If you want more, you can find other episodes in the series on your podcast app or sign up to my free newsletter. Not only will you get information on new episodes launching, but we cover lots of health topics with the Ask Nicole section where you can send in your questions, my favorite recipes, my favorite products, tips and tricks to help you on the road to good health and much more. You can sign up free of charge at nicolegoodhealth.com forward slash newsletter, also linked below. I hope you have a lovely week. Don't forget to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.